Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about At Home with Alexa, a new way of improving the quality of life of older adults with the dementia is Dr. Galena Reitz. Dr. Reitz is the Faculty Program Director for the Bachelor of Science in Information Science at the universities at Shady Grove. Dr. Reitz joined the iSchool after 12 years as a faculty member and administrator at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Dr. Reitz has presented her research at venues across the country and internationally as well as consulted with technology companies on the design of new devices for older persons. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Reitz. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Jason? Thanks for having me. Very good. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our time together. Uh, for those that are joining us today, um, a little bit of housekeeping. If you have any questions, type those questions into the box, and time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered. So, Dr. Reitz, at home with Alexa, a new way of improving the quality of life of older adults with dementia. Yes, um, I think when I started working with Alexa about um, five, six years ago, five, six year, years ago, um, I don't think the SNL skit was out quite yet. And so Alexa was just this interesting tube um, that would sit in your home and you could ask it the weather. So things have obviously changed. And as a researcher, to me, um, the my primary goal is improving quality of life of older adults, someone who has worked with elders for over 10 years um, in retirement communities, in higher education. Um, to me, it's really, um, it's improving um, independence and autonomy and um, not selling a product, but really engaging someone in the design of new technology. And so that has been the passion uh, project of mine. And working with Alexa was something that was not my idea. Actually, I was working with um, a very wonderful couple where um, there were partners and the wife had um, early onset dementia. And her husband would share with me his frustrations. And he would say, um, you know, she's asking me about the time, about 30 or 40 times a day. And I've been thinking about getting this um, voice technology where she could just ask it. And it would give me a little bit of relief during the day. So I thought, well, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. And once I started kind of poking around and thinking about how can voice really be such a powerful tool for those who are losing independence, who really feel like um, are losing their autonomy, particularly in their home, um, I thought it was really a brilliant um, idea to go in into that direction. So the why was easy. I was passionate about working with those um, individuals who have Alzheimer's and dementia. Obviously, I think those of us who are in the space and are working with uh, residents or elders, it always comes from um, uh, a place of um, where we've had some personal experience. I took care of my grandparents through strokes, through dementia. And so um, I experienced a lot of the interactions firsthand. And to me, technology, um, the technology that I was finding on the on the market was, first of all, very expensive. It really wasn't designed with um, these individuals. It was um, it wasn't tested with these individuals, and um, a lot of the time was not helpful. Um, or it was simply to track their location, which I wasn't really interested in. So we um, were aware of the numbers. We we know that dementia is devastating, not only for the caregiver and the family, but for the person as well. They're changing a role. So for a long time, they were a parent or they were somebody's sibling. And now they are viewed from the perspective of their disease. 
this is my um, partner and they have dementia. Oh, but also they really enjoy uh, to go on walks and um, watch shows. So um, what I noticed throughout my research was that we really led with the disease. And um, I think that was hurtful to the person. I think it was hurtful to who they were. And I felt like being able to provide them with some sense of autonomy and freedom was really um, at the center of, uh, of my mission and, and research. And so my focus was always on opportunity versus burden. I met with a lot of elders, a lot of caregivers, and they did talk about it um, as a sense of burden. And I, I was always wondering, well, how could it be a burden if you've been with this individual for many years, if they're part of they're a part of you, they're part of your family, you know everything about them. And so taking care of them shouldn't really be a burden, even though sometimes it may feel like it. And I felt like technology was a really good way to alleviate some of that and really kind of change that burden into an opportunity. And building on individual strengths, we don't all start the same place. And so if you've met somebody um, with cognitive, with a cognitive condition, you've met one person with a cognitive condition. Everybody is is different. And so to me, the medical model really wasn't a good way to think about technology design. And I had I have worked with companies that were very innovative and um, uh, inspiring. However, they never had any interactions with the end user and really didn't understand that lived experience. So for me, it was really about that intersection of those who are in gerontology and those who are in technology and really kind of being that um, middle ground and informing one community about the other. So to me, it was about honoring values. And um, I think when, when you've had a conversation with somebody who is going through a very traumatic experience, um, you understand that um, they're scared, um, they're scared of the unknown. And so if there's something something that could make them feel a little bit um, better, a little bit calmer. Um, I think that's really kind of the perspective that technology um, has to have. So the what of my research was, well, why was I interested in um, the relationships? Truthfully, that's what technology needs to do. It needs to support um, everybody who's living in the home, particularly because we are trying to um, uh, well, now everybody's in our homes, but uh, particularly for those who are caregivers and care recipients, I think those relationships are really important. And so supporting everybody um, in the home was really critical. And so to me, the way that I envisioned technology and particularly voice was really building this ecosystem of technology that can um, talk to one another and really um, have every level of support. And so voice was a great medium because it was easy, it was intuitive, there was not a very steep learning curve. So you didn't have to necessarily learn how to use a tablet or um, a special device. Voice was natural. And so to me, um, going in the direction of exploring, particularly the, the Amazon Alexa was important because at that time, they were really at the forefront of um, a voice and um, AI. And so they were the best tool to really kind of support my mission and, and vision. So you may ask yourself, well, why couples? Why why should we look at um, couples, particularly from the perspective of research? To me, it was important because, as I mentioned, these individuals had lived together for 50, 60 years. They know each other. They're very well connected. 
And the technology really for me was to support both of them in the home. And so not just the person who is experiencing dementia, but really the caregiver as well, who um, has a lot on their plate and um, really kind of has to take take on a new role as, as um, someone who's taking care of somebody else. So the how was deploying the system and um, we deployed units in caregiver and care recipient um, recipients' homes. Um, the ages were between 76 and 83, but we had a quite a quite a wide range. And just like any other research, we collected data for many months from each couple. We conducted interviews. Um, the couples were kind enough to share their all of their data with us, and also Amazon, as you can imagine. We didn't have a lot of security concerns at that time. I think they were open to experiencing something new and exciting. And so security wasn't a huge issue. Now, probably a little bit more. Um, but the data was really interesting. And I know that that's probably what every researcher says. But it really informed um, uh, really my future, uh, future research. And it really informed the way that I talked about Alexa. Um, I think it became a friend. It became um, part of the family more so than a piece of technology. And that was really important to discover. When I first launched the units in the homes, um, I had a colleague who asked me, well, what if there's a, a strange relationship that develops between Alexa and let's say the, the caregiver? And then there's a sense of jealousy or there's all of these kind of different emotions. And I said, well, that's that would be very interesting to see. And um, I didn't find any adverse effects of Alexa. I think um, pretty much all of my findings were exceptionally positive. All of the interactions were interesting. Reading through a lot of the data on the Amazon Echo, if you're not familiar, basically every interaction that you have with her is recorded. So if I say, Alexa, what's the weather? Um, that's recorded. So I was able to read all of the interactions. Some of them were funny, some of them were sad. Um, a lot of them were eye-opening. And so I'll tell you a little bit about some of the things that I found in terms of um, what was uh, what was really supported. What did Alexa support other than tell somebody, you know, the time or the news? Um, what I found was there were these sort of deeper levels of, um, of care um, that were helped um, by this very simple device. So we did our pilot, which was four months. Um, ultimately, I continued to work with some of my couples for years, and it was um, exceptionally eye-opening because I saw the person with dementia progress and decline, and Alexa was able to um, support that individual as they were going through, the, through, through that decline and also their care partner. And I learned, obviously, I, I can't summarize five years of research in five minutes, but I learned so much about people about human interaction, human interaction with the technology, and realized that it was a lot more than just um, the technology itself. It was really about the relationships. And if you have a good piece of technology that's intuitive, that's easy to use, um, it was so much easier to, to build on those relationships. And so, as you can imagine, um, in the picture, you can see some of my research assistants we all got attached to our couples, uh, to our participants, and then our participants really got a lot attached to Alexa. As I mentioned, it became their friend. Um, uh, one of one of the the women that I was working with would call Alexa her girlfriend. You know, girlfriend told me about this today, or girlfriend told me about that. So those deeper relationships were really formed, which was really exciting. 
And what did we find? And if those of you are familiar with um, technology adoption, you know that a lot of the time technology is incorporated in, into the home and then ultimately collects dust, particularly with, with elders. We know, we know this. And so for me, it was interesting to see that almost all of um, the couples in our pilot used Alexa a lot um, throughout the throughout the pilot um, study. There was only one couple who didn't, and this happens, right? Not everybody's going to love it and adopt it. And um, obviously, I went back to them, and I had conversations about why they weren't weren't interested. And it was absolutely a personality type. They were um, they didn't engage. They didn't find like it was useful, and that was really great findings as well. And so when I went back and I aggregated some of those findings to sort of go back to, to Amazon and say, here, here's what um, elders with cognitive conditions are really interested in. That was, um, that was particularly helpful. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about some of the anecdotal evidence and some of the really interesting things that I found in terms of um, uh, how every, how each family adopted the echo or the echo dot. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of story about um, the pictures on the right. So this was a couple where the wife had dementia. The husband was still working full time in his basement. And um, I installed the initial unit in their living room. And I, I started collecting data over a period of a couple of, of weeks. And then I went back to uh, conduct an interview. And he had bought six more Alexas. <laughs> and had distributed them all over his house, upstairs, in the kitchen, in the bedroom in the basement and i said well what's going on it wasn't one unit enough he said i love this i want to have it all around me when my wife is in bed and she's feeling a little bit agitated i can have alexa play soothing music i can have her i can have alexa read her a book so that way i can have a couple of minutes to myself so for him it was um it was a bit of a relief to have this around and um, he connected and obviously he was a, he was a bit of a techie. So he connected all of the units together and he used them as walkie talkies so he could check in on his wife and make sure that she's feeling okay or if she needs anything. So they started using Alexa in ways that honestly I never envisioned. Um, I never thought about it being sort of this communication device, but it turned out it could be. And from the perspective of his wife, um, at first, uh, I have to be honest, she said, I don't want to talk to a robot. And I completely understood that. It was something new, this black tube in front of her. Um, but she she loved it. She was able to call her sister. And um, obviously, as the as the research progressed, we were able to get her the uh, the Echo show, which which had a screen and you could actually see the person on the other side. So for her, it was that personal connection through the technology that was really impactful. It wasn't really the actual technology itself. So I thought that was really interesting. And um, on the left um, are notes from a woman um, that had um, moderate to severe, severe dementia. She was still able to write and she, she would write notes to herself all over the place, posted notes on her calendar. And <clears throat> Um, ultimately, she offloaded all of that um, cognitive load onto Alexa. And Alexa became such a part of her routine that um, actually oh. at the end of the research, um, when I said, well, you know, um, it's, it's sort of our, our research is winding down. You will have to um, get you a new unit. She honestly was so scared that she would lose her friend, that she would lose 
um, all of her notes, all of her reminders. And I said, don't worry, it's saved on the cloud. Even though the physical thing is not the same, you will still have all of your information, all your data. So that bonding um, really became apparent. And um, lastly, I had another couple who, uh, the husband actually had dementia and his wife was visibly frustrated with him. And she would share that with us as well. She would say, he's not the person that he used to be, which is I think natural for a lot of caregivers to feel that way. And um, she was very much a cheerleader for Alexa and really wanted him to use it. And he was a little bit apprehensive but when I went back to their home, one of the things that she said was, you know, he loves to listen to the Bible verses that Alexa plays. And we actually sit together and talk about it and have a deep conversation. And she said, I have a newfound respect for him. And I really am so grateful because we didn't think about you doing that before where we would open up a, you know, a chapter in the Bible and read it. But she said, Alexa suggested it and we decided to do it and it really had an impact. So to me, those were um, some of the really important things that um, that I wanted to see through this research. So support for the caregiver and support for their care partner looked very different, but at the same time, um, they, they helped one another use the device. Um, they uh, learned about it. They were excited to find new skills. So if you're not familiar, Alexa has skills, sort of like applications. They gave me a lot of feedback, a lot of suggestions um, about what skills they would like to have, um, what things they would like to see. And obviously, I would say, well, I don't work for Amazon, but I'm happy to pass on the information or help you. But um, what I realized was that um, this technology really supported much higher levels of care. And so to get a little bit um, academic here, that was really the, the insight that was really important was that we have to look at technology and supporting higher levels of care, not just, um, not to say that the, the tracking and medication dispensing is not important, but spiritual, um, creative, all of those higher, higher level of um, self-fulfillment, I think are really important. And technology can do that if it is the right tool. So my future research is really focused on making sure that everyone in the disability community feels fulfilled and feels like we can create this ecosystem of tech that could really support them. And so my future work is very much focused on voice as sort of the central technology that can control other, um, other technologies in the home. So if you think about those of you who may have smart lights, um, those of you who, who may have a, a doorbell, they could show you who's at the front door. Connecting all of those small pieces of technology through voice could be really life-changing. And um, I have been involved with uh, uh, veterans and have, have been focused on uh, the disability community, those who have traumatic brain injuries or suffering um, from traumatic brain injuries or any really cognitive condition and um, connecting voice to let's say their bed so waking up in the morning and saying, Alexa, please lift my bed so that way you don't have to lay down and stare at the ceiling for three hours can be um, can make a huge difference in someone's life. So um, really the idea here was from cure to care with voice agents. We're not trying to cure the disease. We can't. We're trying to support the person's choice and really think about the person's needs. Um, a lot of the time, as I mentioned, we come from the perspective of the disease, um, but it really should come from the perspective of the person. And so 
Um, I will not bore you with uh, my um, academic <laughs> jibber jabber, but this is sort of the hierarchy that I use to look at other technologies as well, not just Alexa, but as you know, Google Home and lots of other um, tech that is coming out on the market. And this basics model was really influential in how do we look at tech, how do we deploy it in the right way, and most importantly, strengthen, strengthening the relationship between the user and the designer, because a lot of the time there's a big gap and um, they don't talk to one another and don't often understand one another. So um, Alexa was really uh, much more than just management of symptoms. It was uh, for both the individuals in the dyad, but if you think about multi-generational families and how grandparents can use it with grandchildren and really uh, build those relationships that could be really impactful. So um, a lot of the assistive tech that I see in my work is really kind of to support day-to-day -day living. And um, to me, it should be quality of life. So those higher levels um, really need to be thought about when we're, we're thinking about technology design and deployment. And as I mentioned, my future work is with um, TBI and cognitive conditions, I think it's a, it's really important work um, to be done and voice can be um, hugely impactful. So I'm really excited about where the, the future of voice is going. Thanks. Well, very good. Thank you, Dr. Reitz. Uh, fascinating stuff. Um, a couple questions have come in. You've already touched on some of them, but maybe you can expound just a little bit. Uh, I know we're focusing on dementia for older persons and Alexa, but what about those that have other disabilities? Um, you know, that may or may not have may or may not have memory issues. Absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned, there's there's a lot on the market, and I think um, uh, some of the work that we've been doing is with the blind community. Um, some of the work that, uh, particularly particularly at Univers University of Maryland, if you're interested in um, sort of exploring some of the really cool technology. Um, we have the Trace Center, T-R-A-C-E, which is uh, developing a system called Morphic, and it's making computers easier to access by everyone in the disability community. So from the perspective of a researcher, we really want to deploy tech that's well thought out and well built and um, well tested. Um, but uh, in terms of voice, I think uh, if you think about somebody with tactile issues, with vision impairment, um, we actually did run a study with elders who had some, um, some visual problems and sometimes even just being able to um, uh, talk about the grocery list and voice, uh, add your groceries to, the, to your list and be able to uh, go to the grocery store and then the Alexa app uh, kind of tell you the, the grocery list can be a huge help. So um, I think um, it can really support a wide range of abilities. You had mentioned this uh, briefly, security concerns back when you first started this. What have you seen? How has that changed? Um, or how has, that how has the security uh, <laughs> or lack thereof, how has it evolved since when you first started to today? Um, well, truthfully, it's much worse. Um, I think at that point, probably Amazon didn't really know what they had or, or what they were doing. And now, um, if you have an Echo in your home and she asks you to meet you, um, she'll say to me, oh, Galena, I'd like to learn about your voice. This is all being recorded and 
um, <clears throat> I think it's it's sort of that challenge of what are we willing to give up and what are we getting back? And so, um, not to be cynical, but everybody's listening to us and watching us and recording our data. And so it's really about what is your comfort level about uh, security to give up? And for those individuals, it was worth to have Alexa probably record a lot of your conversations in order to, to gain some of that independence back. Now, I know you had mentioned some of the things, the, the, the technologies that are, that are growing the home, smart light, et cetera. Are there any other types of, you know, when you look into the future for voice technology in the home, what else do you see? What else are you, what excites you? Um, I'm really excited by the notion of ambient assisted living. Uh, I think we, Georgia Tech, for example, and MIT, they all tried the smart home. And I think the notion of smart home has really changed. It was a pre-built um, uh, sort of space where it was equipped with technology. I think right now it's about DIY. It's about what's on the consumer market, what's inexpensive and accessible, and really figuring out what are your needs. Not everybody needs smart lights. Um, actually, for my population, they would prefer to get up and go and turn off the lights to, to move. So I'm really excited about um, technology sort of being in the background of the home, but really customization and personalization to fulfill and support um, everyone's need, individual needs. So as we sit here today in 2020, how far off are we from some of these these ideas? Are we? How, I mean, I know you said mentioned Georgia Tech. Are we? Are we a year away? A couple years away? Um, well, I want to say we're probably about five years away from really digging uh, into the really the capabilities of technology. I think right now um, a lot of the consumer um, consumer um, companies are trying to see sort of what the reception is. And I think they're seeing that people are open to it and, and being connected. So I think in the next five years, we'll see a huge um, surge of tech in the home and really there will be some innovator who will actually bring all of this together and make it easy for us. I just don't know what that would look like. <laughs> so you had mentioned that, you know, Amazon back in the day, they, they didn't have as much in mind about the end user. Has that evolved? Not as much as I'd like to. Um, okay. Actually, on our, on our uh, University of Maryland faculty, we have a gentleman who was um, actually the academic advisor for, for Amazon. And um, unfortunately, um, they're not really where they should be. I think now they're just establishing their health, um, uh, you know, health agenda, just like Google, they're sort of jumping into that. Um, but a lot of the focus was on how do we make the actual AI better? Um, how do we make the interactions better, which is a good thing. But I think now they're really sort of digging into, well, maybe we need to be designing some of these skills with the perspective of the, of the people who are using it instead of just pushing things out. Right. Last question, doctor. If you mentioned the word connected, so if I said to you, what does a connected home look like? What is the answer for that? Mm. Well, this is my favorite answer. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is what I tell my students. It's the worst answer. Um, it depends because for you, it may mean you uh, have a thumbprint on your door and you walk into your home and your home knows that you're there and it turns off on all of the lights. Um, for me, it may mean that my coffee machine makes a big jug of coffee at six o'clock in the morning and also tells my TV <laughs> to turn on to the news channel. 
Um, it depends. Or for somebody with a brain injury, it means to um, you know call their nurse and turn on their bed. So for me, connected is really an individual experience, which is why it's so hard to do. But I think that's really where the future is. And when I said last question, how does voice play a part in that? You've already talked. I mean, this has been a wonderful uh, presentation, uh, what a wonderful time and message from you. But can you just be a little bit more on where voice is kind of plays in this connectivity going forward? Well, voice, um, as I mentioned, is um, really intuitive. I think even as we age um, or if we have um, disabilities, it's one of the last things that really sort of uh, the, that we lose. Um, and the better that these systems are built, the better they'll be able to un understand us as we're progressing either with some type of disability or if we have an accent or if we're a small, small child. So not everybody um, can really pick up a tablet and, and um, it's not as intuitive, but I think everybody can speak and can communicate usually. Um, and um, I think the more natural language we incorporate into these systems, voice can be so powerful and really helping you to navigate your home um, a lot easier than um, looking for a phone or a tablet or a computer. Well, very good. Well, Dr. Reese, I just want to say thank you. A lot of really good information here. Uh, thank you for your research and being able to explain this in a, in a, where people can actually understand it. Um, really, really good information. I look forward to uh, future uh, webinars with you, uh, kind of continuing to explore technology. Um, until next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. <laughs>